In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. A familiar scene plays out in today's Gospel, that of the Pharisees, standing in judgment over our Lord, impugning his motives and his character because of his association with publicans and sinners, because he eats with them. His answer to them, however, is a reminder that charity impels us to make an effort, and sometimes a painful effort, to save those who have lost their way. What man is there of you that hath a hundred sheep? And if he shall lose one of them, doth he not leave the ninety-nine in the desert, and go after that which was lost, until he find it? The Pharisees, in the millennia since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, have commonly been remembered by their worst traits. And it is indeed these which are in mind whenever someone is accused of being a Pharisee. The term is most often used to refer to a Catholic, often a member of the clergy, who is proud, haughty, and who over-insists on upholding the moral code of the Ten Commandments and the precepts of the Church, and on precision and fidelity to liturgical rubrics or other religious customs, and who is disdainful of those he considers as less faithful than himself. Fundamentally, he is a hypocrite. He may preach the love of God, but this is in fact only a ruse which permits him to continue to subvert the true teachings of Christ for his own ends. He dares not reveal what is really in his heart, not the desire of loving God, but a will to exalt himself above others, and a hard-heartedness towards those less faithful than himself. So he thinks. Interiorly, he is, as Christ called the Pharisees in his day, a whitened sepulcher, dead inside. True, authentic love of Jesus Christ and the principles he set forth, we are told by those who use the term Pharisee as a bludgeon, this kind of true love lies not in rigid adherence to the law, but in spontaneous, heartfelt expressions of that love, wherever the Spirit leads, they say. The law is secondary in this way of thinking. But how accurate is all of this in light of the actual history of the Pharisees and in light of the Catholic faith itself? one hand, it is true that their origins were associated with a tenacious defense of their religion, even to the point of martyrdom, of missionary efforts, and of conservative and patriotic ideals. It is sometimes assumed that the term Pharisee is synonymous with the priests, the Jewish priests of Christ's day, when he exercised his public ministry. This is, in fact, not the case. 
The Pharisees actually represented the democratic tendency in the Jewish religion. By and large, they were not priests. They did not tend to emphasize the importance of the hierarchy of the priesthood, but of spirituality. According to the law of Moses, the priesthood was an exclusive class based on descent from a priestly family. In consequence, most of the Pharisees were involved in teaching, preaching, the education of children, and the missions among the heathen tribes, but not in offering sacrifices in the temple. But we see that by the time Jesus Christ was born, the fruits of the good works of the Pharisees had largely been diminished by many defects and limitations, chief among them this, this vain conceit, so widespread among them because of the, the adulation in which they were held by so many of the Jews. Our Lord could not be clearer on this point when he warns the apostles against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees have sitting in the chair of Moses. All things, therefore, whatsoever they shall do to you, observe and do. But according to their works do ye not. For they say and do not. They bind heavy and insupportable burdens and lay them on men's shoulders. But with a finger of their own they will not move them. All their works they do for to be seen of men, for they make their phylacteries broad and enlarge their fringes, and they love the first places at feasts and the first chairs in the synagogues, and salutations in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi. It is clear the Pharisees were steeped in the vice of pride owing largely to the importance they placed on ritual observances. It should nevertheless be obvious to anyone of reasonable intelligence and goodwill that this in itself is not a reason to lessen the importance of sacred rites and ceremonies themselves established by God, or to try to change them or call them into question. Anyone who says that God is offended by precision and care in the execution of the sacred liturgy should read the book of Leviticus, wherein God gives very precise instructions regarding the different aspects of all the various sacrifices to be offered in the temple. For example, what kinds of animals were to be offered, who may offer them, and in which parts of the temple their blood was to be poured. These sacrifices of the old law, it is true, have given way to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, now renewed daily on our altars in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. But the God of the old law is not changed into a new God. To say so would be an intolerable heresy. We are still expected to be reverent in church, to show great care and attention to detail while performing or assisting at these sacred rites and ceremonies of the Holy Roman Church. This spirit of attention to detail and reverence in the liturgy 
is indeed a mark of true devotion. It is a mark of the love of God, the God who without any opposition between these two is at once pure spirit and who took flesh among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.